Good morning or good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you happen to be right now. This is the Fitness Reborn Podcast. I am Sean, and my guest today is Dr. Mike Van Tielen. Dr. Mike Van Tielen, or he goes by Dr. Mike, uh, is a doctor, a keynote speaker, a best-selling author, a philanthropist, and an athlete. And he's here to talk to us today about all kinds of really cool stuff that you've heard me cover in various sort of ways here on this program before. But Dr. Mike, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Sean. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So I know you said before broadcast that you're currently in in Florida, but where are you from originally? Well, yeah, you can, you can pick up that accent, right? I'm yeah, originally... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't go away, but that's a good thing. I'm originally from Belgium, grew up in Belgium, um, you know, a very small country in the, in the middle of Europe, basically. A single mm-hmm. mom, me and my brother, uh, grew up there. Uh, she had to work hard to provide for us, but, um, you know, we didn't complain. We had a roof over, over our head and we had food, right? Uh, but I ended up going to uh, university over there, uh, the University of Brussels. I did physical education first because I was into sports. I loved sports. But what are you ultimately going to do with that degree? Not much. So after the physical education, I did physical therapy and uh, traveled with the uh, Belgian Olympic swimmers in preparation for the Olympic Games in Atlanta in 1996. And uh, at the time, they were short of physical therapists in the United States. So I saved $400, packed my backpack, put my jeans on, jeans on and came live the American dream. So that's how I got here, Sean. <laughs> so you came, you came over, you saved up $400, and you came over all the way from Belgium mm-hmm. to Florida. That's right. <laughs> uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of crazy in itself. You know, $400 today sounds like not even it's nearly not enough to get a plane job. ticket. You know, you couldn't even get so much as a plane ticket. Um, but... Um, you said that there was a shortage of physical therapists in the United States uh, back the then? Time, yeah, I, I think uh, most hospitals and nursing homes and those types of things, the insurances at that time started to reimburse for the services. So suddenly the medical world wanted therapists and they were short in the United States. So there were a lot of therapists recruited, not just from Europe, but the Philippines and other countries to kind of fill those positions at the time for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, mm-hmm. so you came over, you came over from uh, Belgium over to the United States. So what happened for, um, from that point on? I mean, you said that you started a life as a physical therapist, but I think obviously there's a little bit more to that <laughs> yeah. leading up to now in this conversation we're having. Exactly. I started <laughs> as a physical therapist. It was pretty hard in the beginning, obviously, like you said, really no money, no credit score or anything like that, mm-hmm. uh, and no coach or mentor. So, of course, I got knocked down many times, but my motto quickly became I never lose, I win or I learn. Uh, but from that moment on, you know, worked at a few physical therapy places. And then at one place, uh, they were doing all kinds of other stuff. They were doing acupuncture, uh, Chinese herbal medicine and other stuff. And I got kind of interested in that because it seemed like these uh, patients got better results combining those modalities. So I ended up going back to school, to the Florida College of Integrative Medicine, three-year program. Got my Doctor of Oriental Medicine license in acupuncture, board certified in Chinese herbal medicine, homeopathy, the whole nine yards. And then I uh, started treating people that way. But after another almost thousand patients, I got frustrated because these quote unquote alternative modalities or therapies, which really are the original ones, 
um, but they are indeed less harmful than conventional medicine, meaning drugs, injections, and surgeries. But I really didn't get the long-lasting results I was looking for either. So at that point, I decided to go back to basics, and that's when I got my PhD in holistic nutrition, but also started looking at Mother Nature because I I believe Mother Nature probably has the truth. So I started simply looking at animals in the wild on what they were doing. And by combining that PhD in, in uh, holistic nutrition knowledge and looking at Mother Nature, I really became very confident in helping anyone uh, regaining, control, uh, regaining control of their health, optimizing their health, or today biohack their health, objectively reversing their biological age and increasing their lifespan. And that's when I started to write books, uh, doing a lot of keynote motivational speaking, uh, TEDx talks, those types of things, and uh, really, you know, helping people in their health, their business, and their personal life. Uh, meanwhile, obviously, uh, ran several businesses. Uh, 2015 became the CEO of a stem cell clinic, regenerative medicine. We did uh, several celebrities and NFL players, heavyweight boxers, those types of things. But then COVID came. And then during the COVID era, we, we closed the doors because we were regarded non-essential. And so that's when I had some time to reflect back and uh, really, uh, really decided on what really what my passion was and what my superpowers were and what I wanted to do in life. And that's when I decided to go back to uh, teaching, being a coach, being a mentor and uh, helping people with their health and being successful in their business. And that's kind of where we are today. So this term uh, biohacking, I think, is it's gotten more and more prominent, I think, in the last few years, maybe the last decade or so. Um, I think to some degree it's kind of self-explanatory, but I think it's also kind of cryptic. I mean, what do you mean hack, hack our biology? Yes. Um, so, you know, what's your take on that? Yeah, there's indeed, like you said, there's uh, it's an amorphous term. It has various, uh, you know, explanations. But to me, biohacking is basically upgrading your body, your mind, and your life. And from a health point of view, it, it would be objectively reversing your biological age, so increasing your mm. lifespan. Because right. I believe today, not just the elite, but every person, uh, by implementing those tips and strategies and maybe some of the technologies, I truly believe we all easily can become 100 years old, but as a 100-year-old, be able to do what a 40-year-old does, traveling, skiing, whatever it is that you like to do. I think that is actually uh, a reality if we implement those strategies. And that, that to me is biohacking. So I kind of wonder sometimes, because um, we talk a lot about longevity and aging well, and, mm -hmm. you know, I had a, I had a woman on uh, several weeks ago, and her podcast is actually out right now, and she talked literally about doing handstand push-ups at 120. Um, now, you know, to most of us out there, just getting to the age of 120 would be a far-fetched idea, but now yeah. we're talking about doing something that <laughs> now at 40, I can't even do. I can't even do a handstand yeah. push-up. But, um, but this, you know, as we talk about, you know, expanding uh, lifespan and health span, which is another uh, word that's mm -hmm. become that's become big. Um, sometimes you can. I wonder, like, wouldn't just the the natural um, the natural span of human life kind of naturally uh, just kind of uh, keep increasing, like it has been? 
like throughout the length of of human existence because you know when you know our earliest human ancestors you know living to the age of 30 was considered elderly mm -hmm. and you were and, and if you lived to be 40 I mean, you were really living on borrowed time yeah. so um so are we talking about i guess what am i asking here so I guess what I'm asking is, like, wouldn't we just kind of expect that uh, human life and human uh, life expectancy would just kind of naturally increase as time goes on? Or is there kind of a trend now that we are seeing that maybe we're going in the opposite direction? That's really yeah, what the concern exactly. is. Yeah, exactly. So, so everything in life goes like this, right? Even when we talk about climate or global warming, things tend to go in cycles uh, for right. millions of years. Uh, <clears throat> and then there's the propaganda, right? How can we make money with a false story? But when it comes to this, you were right, our ancestors, 25, 30 years, and that has to do with our pure, simple biology, right? Because once once we basically uh, make an offspring, we become useless, right? <laughs> because we replaced ourselves biology-wise. And that's when we talk about menopause and uh, andropause, right? We... Uh, when we can't make babies anymore, there's really no no use for us anymore. Uh, but obviously, with um, conventional medicine, they keep us alive, right? Uh, and so you're correct that we have been pushing that lifespan um, with, uh, you know, we don't we don't have natural predators anymore. We have, um, you know, answers to most uh, diseases that may come from Mother Nature. Um, uh, so we have certainly pushed that, but now I think we're back into a regression where we, uh, we don't use our common sense anymore, right? Because when I, when I talk about health, many times I compare to those animals in the wild, um, because the difference between humans and animals in the wild is our awareness. We humans have an awareness. In other words, we have the freedom to choose our response to any given stimulus or situation. Animals don't, they have an instinct. They always act according to the laws of mother nature in their best interest and in the best interest of their species. But we humans, we don't, we have that freedom and we have been, we have basically become slaves of choosing the wrong response over and over again, which has put us in this ill health. Right, because we have all these cancer, degenerative diseases, and now our immune system is so low, so poor that we can't even fight off a simple virus like COVID, which is the flu. Um, now most of us even have trouble doing that, which should nobody should have to be trouble doing that unless we're in our last years and we're uh, closing in on death and we're fragile and weak. Maybe then a virus could be kind of the last thing that makes that but, uh, that bucket overflow. But anybody else, it should be, you know, something of non-concern. So here we are again, where we are eating man-made foods that are loaded with toxins. We are uh, drinking man-made drinks. We are making the right choices when it comes to our nutrition and our lifestyle, because it's not just nutrition, it's it's the pollution around us, the environmental toxins around us, it's the stresses, it's uh, our inability to control or manage our emotions and our feelings, and all that adds up to an accelerated aging. These biological stressors are accelerated. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of us now get heart attacks uh, when we're in our 50s, even 40s. A lot of us have type 2 diabetes in our 30s. And yes, uh, you know, the big pharma are trying to keep us alive. 
because that's where money is made, but they don't have a cure uh, because there is no silver bullets to being uh, healthy, right? That is, that mm-hmm. is a lifestyle change that we have to take responsibility ourselves. Right. So I agree with you that we have kind of pushed the boundaries, um, but now we really need to be conscious and take our own responsibility, not basically count on the ill advice of uh, doctors and big pharma and propaganda on the TV, take that in our own hands and utilize the tips and strategies that are out there to live a healthy life and to basically push us beyond what I call our genetic programming, because now we have the tools available to do that and live longer uh, than before. But there's, you know, that's why we have those terms lifespan and health span, right? So when we when we think about big pharma and um, and all their tools, uh, maybe our chronological age is pushed from fifty to seventy nine, but our health span stopped at fifty because once we are on those drugs, once we have to go do dialysis, once we have to go chemo and radiation, and once we are on walkers and once we are on oxygen. Yes, we may be living chronologically another 20 years, right. but we're not living at all. So the question is, what is it that you want? You want a higher chronological age or do you want to continue to enjoy the things that give you fulfillment? And so that's where the difference is between functional medicine and biohacking and anti-aging tips and strategies and conventional medicine, which is only focused on chronological age. Isn't it kind of ironic that like you said we have we have all these freedoms here that like we don't work on we don't work primarily on instinct as humans anymore yeah. as moderate humans anymore. Uh, we have you know a very high developed mind that allows us to do things that go against our nature, whether it be for good or or, or bad. But uh, with that freedom, like you mentioned, we've become slaves. It's like it's almost like well you had too much freedom and now yeah. it's kind of it's kind of like uh, backfiring on you. Yeah, and that's one hundred percent correct, right? Because most of us now are living living in the uh, I would say in the mode of we are trading short term indulg- indulgences and pleasures. We're trading those for the great treasures of life, which is happiness, fulfillment, sharing your abundance, and those types of things. And so we're trading that in for the short short short-term indulgences and the instant gratification you know most of us cannot practice the late gratification anymore which means is we need to work we need to do our due diligence to get a much bigger price right and so there's even experiments with kids um, to kind of test that right one of them that i remember is you know there's a, a bunch of kids put in a room and there's one candy in front of them and uh, they basically tell the kids, you can have this candy right now, but if you wait 15 minutes, you get three more candies. And so then they walk away. And so half of the kids eats the candy immediately. And then the other half of the kids, you know, realize that if they just, you know, be patient for a little bit, they have a bigger result. And so that's kind of where humanity is right now, too. But even though we are in in ill health and we have become slaves, luckily we still have that same freedom, that state of awareness that we can utilize to turn things around, you know? So um, we can turn it around pretty quickly if we make that decision. So how how do you turn it around though? You know, is it just, is it a matter of like flipping a switch or do you have to like 
make a real conscious effort effort here to really kind of turn things. Well, you know, like Stephen Covey talked about habits and habits basically is knowledge, skill and willingness, right? So if you don't have the skill, you always can talk to somebody like you, Sean, or me, or go to a functional medicine doctor and have people guide you in the right direction when it comes to health. Uh, because the doctors have those three tools in their toolbox, medicine, injections, and surgeries. But there's another thousand things uh, that are more effective than that, that they don't have in their toolbox. So when you're in their toolbox, so when your doctor says, I can't help you, you got to put the emphasis on I, you know, they can't help you. But so you need to get, you need to go, go get those skills. But uh, you can acquire the knowledge, you can get the skills. The question is the willingness. Do you Are you at a, a moment in time where you feel you need to do something about your health, about your life, and how serious are you? And so uh, that has to do a lot of with mindset, right, which is uh, probably one of the biggest biohacks everybody should start with is really upgrading your mind because your mind not only controls your physical body and your diseases if you have them, it also controls or is the blueprint to your success or your failure. And so people need to start to realize that your belief system, uh, your mind uh, is in charge of all that. And so where we really need to start is changing our belief system, eliminating false core beliefs and uh, and working on that mind. And, uh, you know, for all of people, that's a, that's a far stretch still is working on the mind. Uh, but I think that's where a lot of the positive results come. Like I'm, I'm working with a cancer and a Parkinson's patient right now. And so immediately start working on that because number one, they're labeled with something. You have cancer, you have Parkinson's. And so that person's going to consciously or unconsciously think about that all day long in their mind. And so if the doctor tells you, uh, you're going to die within one year of this cancer and you believe that, then the, then the doctor's going to be right. <laughs> the doctor's going to be proven right. So we need to get rid of that label. We need to get rid of that mindset. And that mindset's going to have to be, I'm going to beat this cancer. And then I'm going to see my grandkids grow up. And then I'm going to, you know, snowboard when I'm 70 years old. And so we need to change that whole belief system, eliminate those foul core beliefs. Because a belief is nothing but a thought that we keep thinking. And so if we realize that it's nothing but a thought that we keep thinking, then we can change our thinking, right? And so we need to change our belief system because if we, if there's any doubt in our mind that we are going to, you know, overcome that cancer or that we're going to realize our goals and dreams or that we're going to win a gold medal at the Olympic uh, Games, whatever it is, if there's any doubt and the universe has two options, failure or success, if there's no doubt in your mind that you're going to overcome that cancer or achieve your goals and your dreams, guess what? Then there's only one option. It's a big win. And so you can see how the mind becomes very important in your future, in your outcome and in your you know, physical expression and your physical body. So when it comes to biohacking, yes, there's biohacking the body. But that's why I said in the beginning, it's upgrading the body, the mind and life. Because the mind's going to uh, play a very big role in this, right? But you know, again, we're we're all human, we're all frail, and we all have. When we're given something as you know devastating as like a cancer diagnosis or something like that, I mean, you can't help but kind of feel a little deflated after that. Oh, I mean, sure. You, you you might you might you know come to a resolution saying, "Yeah, I'm going to beat this," but then that you know realistically that journey to beating that cancer or to at least get into remission where it's not spreading anymore, 
Um, it's a, it's, it's going to be a long one and you're going to have these, you're going to have moments where you know, like, sure. Why, why am I doing this? <laughs> yes, sure. But you know, again, it's, um, you, to, to, to get to your goals and dreams or to be the cancer, you need the right people around you. Right. Mm -hmm. So you need a, I call it a team of experts in my books, but it doesn't have to be experts. Could be anybody, right? Could be your sister, your family, your neighbor, uh, et cetera. It depends what your goals and dreams are. So, so, you know, so why am I working with a cancer patient? Because I keep them accountable every week. Right. And of course, I'm not going to suggest chemotherapy and radiation. I'm going to suggest things that work that not are not going to further compromise your immune system and things like that. So you, you need a team of experts around you. And also you need that help from a mental point of view, right? Because like you said, we're only, fra we're only fragile, especially after a diagnosis that's devastating to first get those people to a point where they want to fight the cancer, then get them to a point where they believe they're going to overcome the cancer to then believe they're not only going to overcome it, but they're going to live to be a hundred years old. Right. So. Mm -hmm. But there has to be somebody there for them to when they are weak, when they are have doubt in their mind to help them through that. Um, you know, we are social beings and right. nobody has ever, uh, you know, uh, become an MVP in the NBA, NFL or have become a gold medalist or has become a millionaire or a billionaire by themselves. Right. We all have mentors. We have coaches. We have help. Um, you know, and we got to constantly go from out of one comfort zone into the next growth zone. And that new growth zone then becomes what eventually a new comfort zone. And we got to continue to uh, evolve and, um, you know, to some point be extraordinary to ourselves by taking that next step. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a, it's an important point to make is that you can't do any of this really all entirely by yourself. And, you know, you're right. The most successful people have had, you know, uh, teams of people around them, you know, groups and, you know, at least, or at least one other person that yes. has been with them from the very beginning. And I think people tend to, you know, cause this also gets over glamorized too. this, you know, this, um, the self-made man the self-made millionaire you know the person the guy you know almost like the beginning of your own story when you came to the united states and you say you saved up four hundred dollars you came to the united states and then you know it's you know it kind of sounds like well then you, you came here and then you just blew up all by yourself and then everything just kind of came together for you um yeah, but then enough. here you are here you are making the points like no that's not the case at all no. i went i went in the direction of the people that I wanted to deal with. And that's when everything really, um, really kind of uh, became real for me. Um, but again, like you said before, like you, we live in this world where we are bombarded with distractions and misinformation and, you know, and a lot of like really bad advice and social media really contributes to that a lot. Like it's the, the lone wolf, who, yeah. you know, conquers all kind of mentality, right? But that's not really, that's not really how life works at all. That's correct. Yeah, I mean, it's all these distractions for uh, for sure. Uh, all these, uh, you know, instant gratifications because social media, just like bad food and sugar and energy drinks, it's your dopamine, right? Mm -hmm. So we're always looking for those dopamine hits 
And then we get into a dopamine overload, which results in brain fog and lack of focus and, and no productivity and fidgeting and procrastination. And that's where many people are today, right? Right. So I, I, I just now thought of this man and I've, you know, I've, you, I'm sure you're aware of him. I'm sure everyone's aware of him at this point, but um, we talk about, you know, biohacking in terms of how you actually hack your mentality, how you actually hack, you know, the human brain, which I think even to this day, we still have scarcely any real um, knowledge of. I mean, it's the bottom of the ocean, I think, as far as um, as far as humans, human understanding is concerned. But you know, you take somebody like Wim Hof, yeah, who obviously is very physically capable. I mean, we've seen him do things with his body yeah. and achieve things that make him a physical beast. Um, but in studying him a lot, he often refers to what you just referred to, which is you know his um, mental acuity, like his higher mind, his executive functions, and how everything that what he does in terms even whether it's like running through a mountaintop a snowy mountaintop in nothing but his shorts yeah or you know fighting off some sort of disease disease that he deliberately had injected into him you know and fighting off um this contagion really started up here is that kind of where you're coming from as well too yeah, and there's different levels, right, of that, uh, because obviously there's not too many people that get to levels like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, it's at least the mentality or the belief system that I think is very important. And today we do have many tools and strategies. You know, for example, like two two decades ago when I was competitive swimmer, um, you know, people say, "Oh, you got to do meditation. It's going to help you." That's what the that's what all sports people are doing. I mean, here I go trying to meditate, and I'm unable to clear my mind. I'm just thinking, thinking, and I'm unable to get into that, you know, uh, meditative state. <clears throat> so after a few times, of course, I give up because I don't see any benefit. But today, <clears throat> it's very easy for me because now there's so many strategies out there that allows anybody. Uh, any novice to get into a meditative state pretty quickly in one or two sessions to at least experience something they never experienced before. So now they at least want to continue to explore that, right? And so when I talk about these tools and strategies, I talk about visualization, manifestation, breath work, which really works for me, concentrating on my breath really clears everything out of my mind because I'm so focused on the breath work that I get into a meditative state. Uh, and then there's, um, you know, technology such as brain tap and all kinds of other things that really facilitate us, you know, experiencing a meditative state or tapping into a certain brain wave uh, or even connecting with, you know, something spiritual. Um, so there's many applications of breath work and things like that. But I think that's all available at our fingertips, even at no cost, because there's YouTube. I mean, there's probably millions of videos on breath work. I use a breath work app called The Breath Source, which you can download for free. And all the world's breath masters, including Wim Hof, is on there, right? <laughs> so, so today it doesn't have cost money and we can start biohacking our mind. We can start biohacking our breath. We can start biking so many things. In my latest book, I talk about the seven foundational biohacks, which again, it's things that we should do to improve our health, our lifestyle that doesn't have to cost money that you can do it at your own time without having to have money to do them, right? And uh, those foundational hacks are 
the foundation anyway. So even if you are a millionaire and you want to buy a hyperbaric chamber, if you don't know how to breathe, what are you going to do with that extra oxygen anyways, right? So right. you still need to lay the foundation before you want to spend uh, some time buying technologies. So the, all the stuff that we're talking about here, I think is a kind of a far world away from just co coming to the United States and starting as working as a physical therapist. Um, now, I, I know you said in, in your bio, you said that you, know, you were big into sports and you were a competitive athlete. Um, but I think, again, uh, physical therapy and like anti-aging, regenerative therapy, stem cell work and all this other stuff here, it's... Uh, you know, you're kind of getting further and further removed from that <laughs> that world of where yeah. you're just kind of working with people who are recovering from surgery or have suffered athletes who suffered an accident on the field. And now mm -hmm. they need to get themselves repaired so they can go back out and compete. Um, so what really kind of pulls you towards this? I mean, it's fascinating stuff and I'm fascinated to it as well. But you have um, literally centered your entire world around it and you've only continued to expand upon it. So what is it that just keeps tracking yeah, you back to I want it. to be on, on the edge. I traveled with Olympic athletes first. I uh, was a competitive swimmer in Belgium, did pretty good over there with some records and stuff. Uh, but then again, then I came here, did the physical therapy, was exposed to the other modalities, went back to school. And then I told you about my PhD in holistic mm -hmm. nutrition. And that's when the world really opened for me because it's so much bigger than one modality here. Acupuncture there, chiropractic here, they all may or may not help, but there's such a bigger picture. And so from there, I got into, you know, anti-aging and went to all those conferences in Vegas and Orlando, the A4M, uh, American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicines. So that's when all, that's in the beginning, the beginning of the 2000s, I think it was the bioidentical hormones and making sure your all your T levels were optimal and stuff in sports or when it comes to health. Um, and then from, from anti-aging medicine, uh, it got into regenerative medicine. Now we're talking about stem cells and stem cell applications. And then for regenerative medicine after COVID, then when the, that's when the term biohacking became like on the forefront. And it's basically a progression from where I started, but wanting to stay on the edge of what is new, what is out there. And so today... I'm speaking at biking congresses and conferences. I know what's out there and it's a lot of work to stay abreast on what's real and what's not real. Because just like in any profession, you can go to a biking congress and there may be uh, 200 booths and probably half of them are just quackery and gadgets that don't work. And the other half are really scientifically based things that could help you increase your lifespan. So, um, you know, so, I mean, obviously, uh, it's very uh, interesting and exciting uh, to stay on the edge of that and see what's out there. Mm -hmm. Try those things and recommend those things, whether it's to people that need to fight cancer or whether it's to a top athlete that just wants to have that edge over everybody else. So that also makes it very interesting that you can apply that new technology on somebody who's fighting for their life. And that same technology may be applied to somebody who wants to break his own world record. So, I mean, that makes it very, very interesting. I'm very passionate about it. Just got featured on the uh, new cover of Biohackers magazine and uh, did a TEDx talk and, you know, I came out with my latest book, which is uh, getting very popular. So, yeah, I'm just very passionate about the stuff for myself and my loved ones, but also to help other people you know, um, you know, regain control of their life and, uh, 
find fulfillment in their life. And you need health to do that. You need to be in good shape, mind and body to uh, to share your abundance and find fulfillment in life and, and perform at your highest potential. Whether you're an athlete or a salesperson or an entrepreneur or a performer or an artist, it doesn't matter. You need to you know, be in optimal health, mind and body in order to be the best you can be, no matter what it is that you do. So in addition to your work, and in addition to your work in, in the science field, you're also an entrepreneur. And so, so you have competitive athlete, you have um, cutting edge of science, entrepreneur. So obviously, like you are very kind of high octane competitive person in general, I think. It's like, don't like to lose. <laughs> huh? I don't like to lose. You don't like to lose. There you go. And so... Um, I'm just kind of wondering, like you said earlier in the, at the start of the podcast that you uh, that you came from a single family, a single mom home, as do, you know, lots of people, myself included. Um, I'm just kind of wondering, like, is that kind of is it? Is that kind of like a lot of where your competitive spirit really comes from as well, too? Because obviously, when you live in when you live in a single parent house, you know you don't really have a whole lot, and you're kind of at a disadvantage, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, and so, and so, and I've seen this before too, and a lot of people I've spoken to is like they, they they come from the background of having a relative disadvantage or extreme disadvantage in some cases, yeah. and. You know, this kind of propels them. This kind of propels them forward, not only to make things better for themselves, but make things better for the world around them. Yeah. And it seems like, uh, in my interpretation of reading your bio and listening to you speak, is like that is pretty much what everything with you comes down to. It's just about making everything with yourself and around you better. Am I correct? Yeah. No. Sure. And I don't know really that the upbringing. I, I wouldn't say you know um, it certainly wasn't extreme. It was just you know it was just hard for my mother. And if we wanted something, you know, even as a kid, I would go into my grandma's attic and find stuff that I then could go sell on the flea market and ask my mom to bring me there because I was so young. I didn't have a car. I couldn't get there. So I wanted to make mm -hmm. my own money. So. That entrepreneurship was there because I wanted something and my, my family couldn't afford it. So I had to kind of figure out ways to make a little bit of money myself. So that was there maybe because of that, because it was given, if, if the bicycle was given to me, I wouldn't have to have that entrepreneurial uh, proactivity, right? Uh, right? And then the competitiveness, I don't know, but um, uh, when I was in elementary school, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, whatever, um, uh, I was the fastest runner of the class in the school. I was on a soccer team, basketball team, but I lost to one of my best friends in swimming because he was part of the local swim team. And my mother told me this story because I really don't remember, but I was so mad I came home. And my solution was I was going to join the local swim team also. And so that's <laughs> where I found my passion for swimming. And today I still joke about it. It's actually my worst sport. But apparently I was very competitive from a young age on and didn't like to lose. And I don't know if that has anything to do with the upbringing or it's a personality trait. Um, but certainly those two forced me to uh, do what I had to do to make some money and do what I wanted. And at the same time, you know, uh, I had that competitive spirit for sure. Are your siblings uh, competitive too? Uh, I had a brother. He was two years younger, but he did uh, die in a car accident when he was 23 in 1997. 
Uh, he was a swimmer too, but yeah, he was a different personality for sure. <laughs> uh, he was very talented. He was taller than me. He probably would have been a better swimmer than me too, but he didn't put in the same work. Right. Um, so, you know, so he was certainly different, but. Um... Well, what, the, the reason why I ask these questions is that because a lot of people hear discussions like this, you know, they and they hear it a lot. He's like, you know, here's how you need to optimize your performance, optimize your life. You know, you know, hack into biohack. You know, your brain biohack your your executive functions, your body, however else. And people hear these stuff a lot, and they don't really. It doesn't really connect with them because a, a lot of times, because it just it sounds like like it's you know we're an ex, extraordinary exceptional person is telling someone who is maybe not much more an ordinary an ordinary person that you need to optimize your life. Yeah. And it's just like it, a lot of times it just goes right past them, you know, and, you know, you see this kind of phenomenon again on social media. And a lot of times it's like we're talking about very young people who are giving fitness advice yeah. <laughs> to everybody, you know, regardless of what age they are. You know, you, know, yeah. you know, it's like, come on, you know, a 65 yeah. year old person is not going to really listen to optimal fitness advice coming from someone who's 19 years old yeah. you know it's just realistic no, it is not the it, case so yeah. i'm just trying to you know bring it down to like a human level here and know? that's i mean i'm 52 so i think right. i think today i'm uh, i the reason i'm a coach mentor because i feel i have the experience i have to take every single step no shortcuts got knocked down many times had to figure out at a certain point i need people around me um had to had to fall down get back up so i really mm -hmm. feel i'm a very effective coach mentor because i know where the pitfalls are i've been there myself uh never given anything to me for free um so you know i can be that great mentor and coach because i can i mean it took me a long time to get where i am but it can be done right. much faster if you if you had a coach that's been there and 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 uh you know uh, knows the pitfalls and has all the experience in those different areas of anti-aging, regenerative medicine, biohacking. So I'm not the expert in all of those things, but I know who the experts are. So when I take on a client that wants to upgrade uh, based on their uh, individual story and what they need at this moment, they, mean, they may need breath work. Am I the expert? No, I'm far not the expert in breath work. So I put them in contact with the expert, right? Um, mm -hmm. so I, I can figure out what it is they need and what they need to practice and then bring them from one stage to the next stage to the next stage. For example, when I get people in for their health, um, I, I put them in three categories and unfortunately most of them fall in the first category, which means is regain control of their health. So they're either in pain, they're overweight or they're diagnosed with some type of disease. So first step is we need to regain control and get back to quote unquote normal. Unfortunately, a lot of people fall into that. Biohacking wouldn't do any good right now because this, the body's in a state of emergency. Or whatever we do biohacking-wise, the body's not going to respond anyways. It would be a waste of time and it wouldn't be working. Then the second stage is once they're back to normal, we need to optimize health. We need to incorporate lifestyle modifications so they can feel strong and fit and vital. They're in control then of their physical, mental, emotional, spiritual well-being. And only then, step number three, would be would optimal health be the ideal foundation to maximize the benefits of biohacking right yeah. so so each person you know falls in a certain category and we need to implement certain strategies at that point 
to get to the next level. And then those strategies obviously become and technologies become different. So I think that's why it's important that people have a mentor or a guy when they hear biohacking and they hear that somebody used far infrared or a hyperbaric chamber or hydrogen water, you know, that may or may not work for them at that point in time or may be a priority or totally not a priority. What else is going on? Where are your deficiency? What is your disease? Uh, what are your symptoms? Um, and so it becomes very important to figure out where they are and what becomes a priority to get them, you know, to that next stage. So it, I, I saw something when I was reading your background here, and we kind of touched about touched on this already. Um, so it's called the the health freedom movement. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was. Um, what what is that exactly? So what I mean, yeah, it's kind of explanatory, but what it's yeah, not. When, when I came out with my first book in 2014, I started to do like I said a lot of uh, speaking engagements, and so. Mm -hmm. Um, I even made it so one time that we made it uh, something fun with performances and uh, something artistic and comedy so families would show up and they would have a, a, a fun kind of uh, experience but also get a strong message about health and, and about you know health freedom. So health freedom basically is the freedom that all of us uh, can enjoy because it's a choice that we have. It's a choice to either be... Uh, sick and sad are to be healthy and happy. And so the message basically is, yes, we can blame, you know, our parents, we can blame our doctors and healthcare professionals, we can even blame the FDA, the big pharma or the fake news, we can do that. Uh, but ultimately, it's our responsibility. And so we need to take responsibility for ourselves and our loved ones, and take control of our health, take control of our life. And so that's health freedom. That's the health freedom movement is to, best, to basically, you know, give everybody the awareness, like don't stop, stop being reactive, stop blaming others for your shortcomings or your ill health. And let's start taking responsibility, you know, and if you need help with that, there's plenty of people out there, functional medicine, doctors and coaches and mentors that can guide you in the right direction, but stop blaming others and start taking responsibility. That's basically what that is. So it's like a general philosophy. Sure. Yes, a general philosophy for how you should how you should live. Then, okay. Yes, got gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I had another question here too, and this is an interesting one. Um, so, where did the moniker Superman come from? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Superman. Uh, yeah, of course. I, I swam a world record in 2019, and it actually was uh, faster than I swam in my 20s. So, you know, people started giving me different. Oh, things. really? Yes, people started giving me wow. different names. And again, it's not that I have a better cardiovascular system. Actually, it's much worse than I was in my 20s. But I biohacked many things. I did other things besides swimming to get the advantage over everybody else. And so whatever I talk about, whatever I do, whatever I preach, I'm always a product of my own products. And I think that's important. Um, but uh, one time I was doing a, uh, an inspirational speech in Miami at a convention. Uh, for Dr. Fabs Mancini's uh, events. He's a, a very known, world-renowned chiropractor that's been on Dr. Phil and stuff. But anyways, it was in Miami. And uh, I always do inspirational things, but also fun things and very interactive things when I speak. So this particular uh, uh, speech, I was talking about superpowers because it's also my new book. The subtitle is Unleash Your Superpower. 
because most people don't know their purpose in life. They don't know their passion in life. So I'm trying to discover that with them. A lot of people know their superpowers, but they're barely tapping into it. Like last two weeks ago, I was talking to 200 chiropractors and they're so passionate about what they do, their profession. But most of them are barely tapping into it because they have this little office and they're waiting for an insurance check to come for a manipulation that's 40 bucks. And it's like, guys, you've got your superpower, but you're healers and you should be millionaires and you should be helping a lot more people. So let's unleash that superpower. And that's where I come in is inspiring them to unleash and think much bigger. And so at one of those conferences, like I said, in Miami, I had a Superman T-shirt underneath. And so at the end, I just basically took off my shirt and there was a Superman T-shirt. And so everybody at the convention came to me and called me Superman. I think I saw that remembered me. And so now I'm Superman. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, there's, there's worse things you can be known as, right? right. So, so, yeah, I think I did, I think I I did watch uh, some of your videos. um, And yeah, I did see that one where, you know, I don't know if that was, I guess it was kind of planned or not, where you just kind of took off the shirt. Well, yeah. And so it was planned, but now, now, you know, now I do it more often in different scenarios or unexpected. And, um, you know, (laughs) people, if I don't, if I don't do it, then people are kind of bumped, you know, because they came, they came, they wanted to see Superman. It's kind of silly, but it worked. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, there, there you go, uh, there you go, folks. There's a great example of why symbolism and iconography really do matter when you are um, in the business world here. So, if you That's want a right. business lesson, you know, get something. Right, right. Get to get a brand. Get something that is iconic of you, um, even if it's borrowed. <laughs> yes, that's right. But, um, but, um, so, all right. All right. Well, we've, we've talked about an awful lot here. So now, now, um, where where are you at right now in your work right here? I mean, because you've got so much going on here. Uh, you've got, you look like at least about six or seven books that you've either authored or co-authored. Mm-hmm. You shoot, you showed us, um, just two right now. Um, so where are you going, where you go from here now? Where are you up to right now? Yeah. So, um, I really want to uh, increase my uh, speaking engagements uh, and uh, I started mentorship programs. So I'm mm-hmm. helping people not just with their health, but also with their business uh, to, um, you know, become the best they can be. So I have online mentorship programs. I am putting together the next uh, two months um, some online courses. Uh, so I will be selling some online courses uh, on all those types of uh, topics, you know, dopamine overload, mindset. Uh, upgrading the body, biohacking, you know, increasing your stress by 60%, improving your sleep by 40%, how you do all those types of things without drugs, of course. Um, and so that's exciting. So I'm going to work on online courses because as a mentor, I only can help so many people at a time. I only got 24 hours in the day. Uh, but when I put some high quality online courses together, then there's an infinite amount of people that I would, people that I would be able to help with these tips and strategies. Awesome. That sounds awesome. Well, uh, Dr. Mike, we have a closing tradition on this podcast. All right. And uh, you've given us a lot to already digest um, as it is. But uh, the closing tradition is that we have uh, the guests give some final words to the audience here. So if you could give people to remember one thing and one thing only, what would you say it would be? 
Yeah, just uh, when when we're born, we're pushed in a certain direction, right? Um, especially by society, we gotta go to school, we gotta go to college. Now, once we have a degree, we work for somebody else who we're sixty-five, and then there's the golden years, which usually don't come. Or our parents and teachers push us <laughs> push us in a certain direction, right? If dad's a lawyer, they probably want to go to law school. His mom's a doctor, they probably want to go to med school. So, for all your listeners, I just just stop. And ask yourself whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50, or 60 already. It's just stop and say, have I, have I been living my purpose? What's my passion? What's my purpose? And try to figure that out. I do a lot of exercises uh, with my people to do that because sometimes it's time to get out of our comfort zone once more and be extraordinary, discover ourselves, and really find fulfillment. And the only way, I think, so so the practical tip I'm going to give give your audience is, Tomorrow morning when you get up in the morning and you're awake, but you're not getting up yet, ask yourself, what am I thinking? Am I thinking I have to get up? I have to go to work. I have to do this. I have to do that. Or are you thinking I get to get up? I get to get to work. I get to do this. I get to do that. And unfortunately, most of us fall into the first category, which means is you're not living your purpose. You're not passionate. You don't have fire in your stomach about what's coming that day. And so, unfortunately, that's where most people are. Ask yourself that per, uh, that question. What are you thinking? And if you're a part of that first part, I have to get up. I have to go to work. You know, stop, rethink, find your purpose and uh, start living with fulfillment. So you're not going to regret and look back later about the possibilities and opportunities you didn't take. So just take that moment. Ask yourself that question. And if if you're not passionate, if you're not living your purpose, do something about it. And if you need help, I'm here, Sean's here, many other people can help you getting into that right direction. It's worthwhile to remember that that's a question you probably should be asking yourself repeatedly through yeah. life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just one time you ask this question and then you never ask it again. It's probably something you should uh, reevaluate and reassess every now and again. Would you agree? That's 100% correct, Sean. Well, that was uh, very thoughtful advice there, and um, I think you're 100% correct in all of that. But uh, Dr. Dr. Mike, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Sean, and thank you because, yeah, I'm spreading my word, but your time and uh, you exposing you know, people to this kind of information. So I know this is teamwork, so thank you for your time. Well, thank you. Thank you so much again. Thank you again for reaching out. And uh, everyone listening, you obviously you know what's going to happen now. You're going to find all the uh, information for Dr. Mike on the uh, on the on the show notes, as you can as you always have. You'll find the information for me as well. So I'll put all the contact information for Dr. Mike. You can reach out to him, reach out to his representatives. And um, until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for everyone who ever will listen. I'll talk to you later. Move forever. Peace.